Welcome to Rise and Shine, the podcast dedicated to women in home building who are ready to rise professionally and shine personally. I am your host, Abby Cornelius, and I am thrilled to embark on this empowering journey with you. Together, we're going to dive into the world of leadership, sales, mindset, results, and corporate climbing, all tailored to the unique experiences of women in this industry. Whether you're a seasoned pro or you're just starting out, Rise and Shine is here to provide you with actionable insights, inspiring stories, and expert advice to propel you forward in your career and illuminate your personal growth. So if you're ready to break some barriers, conquer challenges, and redefine success on your own terms, you are in the right place. It's time to rise, it's time to shine, and it all starts right here. Let's get started. All right, I'm bringing to you guys a hot topic today, which is negotiations. So if you find yourself in any role where you negotiate, this could be a salesperson, sales leader, land person, or really just anybody, right? We often negotiate with employees, coworkers, bosses, our children, everybody negotiates. But today I'm going to talk to you specifically about uh, new home and real estate sales transactions and how to win more negotiations and get yes faster. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want to win more negotiations and get yes faster, right? Like that's the, the golden goose. So I'm going to give you some insights into what I've learned over my many, many years, as well as working on a variety of teams of what works and what doesn't work, and maybe help you set you and your team up for success with some of these tips and tricks so that we can be a better service to our organizations and be a better service to our customers. Because here's the deal. If negotiations take forever, that's a bad customer experience. Let's just be honest. And so we need as much information as we can to help them get to an agreement or or non-agreement faster, right? That should be one of our many missions in this. Okay. So I want to talk, I want to share with you three terms um, that I learned in a negotiations class and is really, really helpful for me to kind of parallel to the work that I, I, I do in sales, but I think you'll find it helpful too. So there are three things you need to gather information around before you can enter into a negotiation. And so as a sales leader, as a division president, you should be sharing this information with your sales team so they are empowered with the information or they know how to get it on their own so that they're sitting in a really great spot during negotiations. Uh, I, I worked on these teams where they'd always be like, sell from strength, sell from strength, which is great, right? That's knowing your competition, which is part of this equation. That's knowing the value that your community offers, the strength of your builder. There's a lot of good things that an individual can have from sell, to sell from strength, but there's also two things that aren't as talked about when it comes to selling for strength that I wanna talk about today. In order to sell from strength, you must know the most desirable outcome for your organization, for your for your seller, right? So if if you're in real estate, general real estate, and you're listening, right, and I want you to think about just for a minute, sit in your uh, seller's agency seat. And if you work for a builder, in case you didn't know this, <laughs> you're a listing agent, you work for the seller, the seller is the builder, you have fiduciary duties to protect them, right? And so that's why this, this relationship should include an enormous amount of trust because you're going to share with them, this is really, really, really what I want, the most desirable outcome. And you're also going to share with them, but this is the least acceptable agreement that I would say yes to. You need both ends of that spectrum communicated. So if I'm a real estate agent and I'm going to go sit down with my seller client, I'm going to ask them, all right, what's what's the dream? What do you guys hope to get from this house? And they could say, you know, we want $600,000 and we want to close in 30 days. We would love a cash buyer. We would love to not have to do any repairs. Like that is the dream, right? <clears throat> 
And your new home sales side, and I want you to really go big here, builders and, and organizations, like be clear about what a phenomenal friggin' deal looks like. So the best deal might be list price or above. The best deal might be cash. Uh, if I can't get cash, then full pre-approval. Uh, the best deal might look like no incentives, no seller concessions, and the best deal might look like they can hit 100% our closing target. Right, they can match that, whether that be inventory or to be built home. That's your most desirable outcome. That checks all your boxes. That makes your um, results match your forecast. That's the dream. It minimizes risks. It maximizes profitability. Don't be afraid to communicate that. That's your most desirable outcome, right? Oh, and then let's add in too, as much uh, earnest money deposit as possible. So maybe the dream is 20% or 100% down, but I think 20% would be like the dream, right? We got 20% at contract. Okay. That's your most desirable outcome. You also need to communicate your least acceptable agreement. And this is where it starts to get gray and muddy and murky. And this is where we start to slow down. If I'm a listing agent in general brokerage, that's very easy conversation. My seller will tell me, you know what, Abby? <laughs> I just, we want 600, but really, you know, we need to just get out from our mortgage and we just need to move. We need to get into this other home. You know, if we don't get any equity, that's fine. Like we would be okay selling it for whatever, 550. So they will tell you what their least acceptable terms are, or we would do some repairs as long as the price is this. But here's what I need you guys to understand. There's the most desirable outcome. There's the least acceptable agreement. And there are a million and one possibilities in between those. And this is where I think we get caught up. We think there's only like one thing, one magical thing, but that individual, that seller, that, that buyer have a whole wide range of things that could possibly work for them. And then you also need to think, okay, so let's apply this to the builder side. Let's say that from the builder side, again, it's not nearly as easy as, hey, Mr. Or Mrs. Smith, what, what, what's the bare minimum you're going to get that you're okay getting for this house, just so I'm mindful of it. Um, seller builders don't often share that information with their sales leaders and or their sales team because they're worried they're gonna give away the farm. And so that's a trust issue. So that's a different conversation for another day. You should hire people that you trust. You should have really good conversations with them that says, this is like bare bones where we're at. Please get as close to most desirable outcome as you can, but you have this information to use if you need it. And that conversation might need to happen and reset expectations on what that least acceptable agreement is frequently, right? Market shifts, uh, community sales shift. So for example, if I'm sitting at the beginning of the month with a pipeline of top prospects, my least acceptable agreement is... It isn't going to be, you know, that far off of my most desired outcome, right? They're going to be very close. I'm going to, I'm going to shorten up that scale of available offer opportunities, right? <clears throat> but then you take me to the end of a quarter where we're five sales off of our sales plan. My least acceptable agreement to most desirable outcome scale just got enormous for the next five sales only. Like I need sales, right? So you have to be communicating with your team. What are your thresholds? Where are we at now? I, I worked on teams where <clears throat> division president like fully trusted sales, which is phenomenal. Very transparent to profit margins, very transparent to goals um, and gave thresholds. So if I was a sales leader, they might say, hey, here's all your inventory homes. Here's what we want. Here's as low as we're willing to go you deal with it accordingly. 
And then I will communicate to some of my sales teams. Okay. Maybe I had $15,000 in wiggle room from my division president. I might tell my salesperson like, Hey, you've got, you've got five, 10 grand to work with, right? So that they have empowerment to make some decisions on their own that are still getting us closer to that desired outcome. And the more you trust somebody, you may tell them, Hey, we got 20. I don't want to give away 20, 20. That's absolutely like we are struggling for sales. We need to reposition the community. That's where we go. But if we have to go there, like, let's talk about it. Let's see why that's an option. And then you give them that, that information so they can help position well, right? And get the sales. You also need to make sure that you have your best alternative to a non-agreement. That's your plan B. <clears throat> and this feeds in to your scale from most desired outcome to least acceptable agreement. Because if you got a strong plan B, you don't need a lot of negotiating room, right? Because, hey, if this doesn't work, I'm just going to go with plan B. And if my plan B is like a really friggin' close second, I may say this is my offer and I'm willing to walk away because plan B is right here and I know I can go on that. So you need to understand as a seller, if they don't buy, who's my plan B? And if you've got a lot of traffic coming in, if you've got a lot of showings, if you've got a lot of activity, if you know your position well, that you're that you're crushing your competition, if you know that there's not a lot of hot houses on the resale market, your plan B is I got another buyer waiting in the wings. And this is what we saw <clears throat> You know, during the housing boom, during COVID, it was like, we didn't have to negotiate. We could ask for most desirable outcome and or more because our plan B was there's somebody else that wanted it, right? So that kind of gave us an upper hand in negotiations. And this is where the selling from strength comes in. <laughs> now, buyers can also buy from strength when they know you're slow, the interest rates are high, people aren't necessarily coming in the door, um, or they have lots of options. So when inventory is high and they have lots of choices, that's when we say it's a buyer's market, right? Because they have a really strong plan B and they can shoot for their most desirable outcome. So if you're that person that is the in-between, so you're the agent ask, acting on behalf of a buyer, the agent acting on behalf of a seller or an on-site salesperson, you need to know the seller's most desirable outcome and least acceptable agreement. You need to know the seller's best alternative to a non-agreement. And you need to know the buyer's items as well. Now, not every buyer is going to share everything with you, but plenty of salespeople don't even ask the question, hey, if it doesn't work out here, what are you going to do? Like, what's your plan B? That's such an easy question to ask. And if you have that, then you know, oh shit, that's a good deal. Uh, I got I to gotta work this deal for them, right? Or it could be like, oh, you know what? That's not great. I don't feel intimidated by, you know, that 20-year-old resale that looks like the whole exterior needs redone. And I'm pretty sure it smells like cat pee. Like you then know what you're up against to help you leverage that negotiation. Now, I want you for a second to kind of create a visual. Imagine you've got seller's scale of least acceptable agreement to most desirable outcome. And then layer next to that, the buyer's most desirable outcome to least acceptable agreement, where do they match up? That is your zone of possible outcomes. That is where you want to negotiate, right? That's where you are going to get the win-win solution that supports your seller or your organization and supports your buyer client, okay? That's the goal. But in order to do any of that effectively and to speed up the process, we need trust we need transparency, and we need really great communication skills. 
So you can understand how negotiations work, but if you aren't skilled at asking the right questions or positioning yourself strongly to your buyer to get there, your negotiations are going to fall flat. So if I'm selling today and it's a hot market, I better be explaining to my customer, hey, you know, we are seeing record amount of home buyers coming out, you know, and they'll be like, oh, really? Even with interest rates? So, yeah, because inventory is so low. There's so few opportunities and people still need housing. So I know it may feel like, you know, there, there's not a lot of demand. There is still a great demand. In fact, we sold 12 houses last month alone. Like there's a lot of opportunity here. And just plant those seeds so they understand that your alternative to negotiating is just another customer. There's just somebody else waiting in the in the wings, right? And then make sure you ask them what's your plan B, and ask them, you know, kind of like what's what's your, what's a deal breaker for you, right? Deal breakers kind of fall into like least acceptable agreements. There is a threshold when you're like, if we go below 400, it's a no for me. Some people just have that in their mind, right? So you have to figure out what these thresholds are. The more skilled you are at this, and then the more skilled you are at getting the highest possible end of what the seller wants is where you add your value. So if you're a listing agent, getting your seller top dollar with minimal risk is your job. That's your job. That's that's the contribution and the value that you make to your organization. That's why you got paid a lot of money. And so what we really need to do is help develop salespeople who are thinking that way and sales leaders who are thinking that way and that we're strategically asking questions and that we're not here to just scam buyers. That's not what I'm saying. Buyers are going to do what they need to do to make sense too. But there are so many options out there. And I don't... I, like. <clears throat> I just don't believe in a scarcity mindset. I don't feel like there's only one buyer for every house. I feel like there's plenty of buyers and there's plenty of stuff for sale. We have to find the people who we can make them feel like they got to win. And we have to feel like we got to win. There are win-win solutions to be had. This isn't about um, strong-arming people or taking advantage of them, but it is about being respectful of your role and, and what you're hired to do right? So if you're a listing agent, you're hired to get your client, your seller client top dollar. Like that's what they're paying you for. The expertise in the market, the expertise in, in knowing what's going on, the expertise in negotiating, that's your superpower, right? That's how you add value to your, to your client experience. And same thing. If you work with a home builder, that's your, that's your job. Your job is to help get them top dollar. And if we can't get top dollar, educating them on why, which is another conversation for another day, but I hope you I hope you all listening that you took some notes here that you understand what is my what is my most desirable outcome for each and every home or home site that I'm selling? What is my least acceptable agreement? Do you have your parameters? If you don't, ask for clarity from your sales leader. If you're in an organization that doesn't promote high transparency, maybe ask how can we build more trust or at least still give me some guidance on what levers I may be able to pull if I need them. But then you also have to be hyper-focused that you don't continually go to the least acceptable agreement. And if you feel like you have to, then you need to change the conversation from a particular buyer to, hey, my community needs help. Okay. And that's when we shift. And again, that's a conversation for another day. Like, are we truly in a community positioning problem? Or are we just in a negotiations, like selling from strength problem and we need to position ourselves better? So what's my most desirable outcome today? What's my least acceptable agreement today? And what is my best alternative to a non-agreement? What is my plan B as a seller? 
And then be mindful of your clients. What are theirs? What's their most desirable outcome? What's their least acceptable agreement? And what is their plan B? If you can gain that information, you are going to find that win-win and you are going to get a sale quick. Okay. If your organization lacks trust and transparency, this process is going to take forever. Yes, I'm quoting Sandlot. Forever. Let me walk you through some of the struggles I've had as a salesperson and as a sales leader and how it has slowed down sales. Okay. I'm behind on sales. Let me say I'm a salesperson. I'm behind on sales. My community has been behind on sales for months. I have had zero price changes. I've had zero you know, hey, Abby, if you need this, you've got it. Like no back pocket conversation. They're still holding firm to, I need 5% down. I need pre-approval. I need non-contingent, all of these things, right? Got all of these layers of what I have to get. And I'm having a really hard time finding a buyer that fits in this most desired outcome because all I have is most desired outcomes. I have a very small negotiating window. Okay. I get a buyer that comes to me. They're ticking like 90% of the boxes, but the only thing missing is they don't have 5%. They only have $3,000. Okay. I know I can get them on a plan to have their down payment before closing. Like we're good there. They just don't have it today. So I present that to my boss. My boss says, Ooh, I don't know how the division is going to feel about that. Let me look into it. She has to get with the division president. The division president wants to talk to finance to make sure that, you know, the spread across all the other, you know, sales that this is going to be okay for us. Finance division president talk, they get back to sales leader, sales leader and I play phone tag. Sales leader gets back to me, says, yes, I get back to my buyer's agency and they're like, oh, they went and bought somewhere else. Because that whole process took three days because there were so many people involved. But if at some point in time, my sales leader, and this is your job sales leader, is to raise these flags prior to getting a buyer client in front, if my sales leader had had a conversation with division president and finance and said, hey, I really need sales in X neighborhood, we're behind goal, what things can I, what levers are you comfortable with me pulling to help get sales out there? If they had said, hey, Abby, look, we know this is a financially tight community. We're okay with taking maybe deals where the financing's not sparkling, but it, it's doable. And we're okay taking hand money, you know, as low as 2,500 if there's a payment plan in place. Perfect. I could have known that and I could have gave a quick yes. Or even better, I could have shared that with my salesperson, empowered them to get conversations going in the right way to get a yes, and we would not have lost that sale. Kind of see how this plays out. Speed is important when it comes to negotiations. Emotions are high. People are ready to go, right? If you're in an environment where negotiations are kind of off the table because it is a hot market or hot community, then great. You don't, you don't necessarily need all this, but these are skills that you need to have in your toolbox to be a sales pro. These are tools that your division needs to invest in, in terms of trust and transparency to help maximize sales in challenging markets. I don't think we often talk about like true negotiations. Um, short of saying sell from strength. But I hope that this gave you maybe a different insight to what's going on. And senior leaders, um, I cannot stress enough that you need to build a team of people that you trust. You need to have a sales force that you know has your back and is going to drive that profit. And salespeople, if you're given that trust and transparency, please don't break it. Please don't just give stuff away to give stuff away because you know you can. That's weak selling, right? That's not selling from strength. But we want to make sure that that trust 
happens so that transparency can occur. You cannot say as a salesperson, why is my sales leader not sharing this? Or why is my why is my division president hold on to profit and hold on to all this stuff? But yet your last two deals, you gave stuff away that you shouldn't have, or or maybe you've overpromised things that we shouldn't have. So, you know, you there's a tip for tat here, right? What came first, the chicken or the egg? I think we need to start with trust and transparency and then go from there and address each on a case-by-case basis. But I really think that this is one of the prohibitors to successful negotiations is too many hands in the pot, too much of a slowdown when it comes to that decision-making because we haven't thought through as a team what's our least acceptable agreement. And I think that needs to be communicated more frequently in a market when you are accepting and entertaining offers. All right, I'm going to wrap it up now because I'm trying to make this a mini episode, but happy to continue this conversation with anybody and everybody. If you have questions about this and how to apply it, uh, shoot me an email, abby at abbycornelius.com. Happy to help. And if you found this episode helpful and insightful and you think somebody on your team would benefit from it, please like, share, and always subscribe to this podcast so that you can get the latest and greatest tips, tricks, and resources to help you rise professionally and shine personally. All right, it's a bye for now. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Rise and Shine. We hope you're leaving today's conversation feeling inspired, motivated, and equipped with the tools you need to make a meaningful impact in your career and life. Remember, your journey is unique and every step you take brings you closer to your goals. If you've enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a moment of empowerment and share with a friend, somebody who you think may benefit from this episode too. Also, we'd love to hear from you. Share your thoughts, insights, and even topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes episodes by connecting with us on social media or leaving a review. Your feedback helps us tailor Rise and Shine to meet your unique needs. Until next time, keep rising, keep shining, and keep making your mark in the world of home building.